All right. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining us today for this special event with Katie Love, who will be presenting to us today. So I'm going to read a quick bio for Katie, and then I'll turn the mic over to her. So Katie is a love coach and an avid dream yoga practitioner. She has been a consistent lucid dreamer since early childhood. Her life work is focused on understanding our true nature and relationship to others. She supports her constituents in moving from contractive, conflicted, conditional love to expansive, creative, aligned love. Dream yoga is her spiritual path, and in Katie's experience, a potent practice for expanding our capacity to love. So, Katie, thanks so much, and turn the mic over to you. Thank you, Andy. <clears throat> and thank you all so much for being here. So I'm going to speak and share about cultivating loving compassion using lucid dreaming and dream yoga. And I'd like to begin with a, a three breath meditation. So this is a, an adaptation of the one breath meditation, which Andrew offers and shares. I like three, I feel like it allows us to go a little bit deeper. And also I, I really enjoy being able to be present in different aspects of my body and my mind. So the invitation with the three breath meditation is to breathe once into your lower belly, the second breath into your heart, and then the third breath into your third eye. So you can choose to keep your eyes open or close your eyes. And we'll begin with a collective three breath meditation. And as you complete, you can open your eyes and come back to the space. And I just wanna check in, can you all hear me okay? Yeah, great, good, good. So my intention today is to work with cultivating loving compassion through lucid dreaming and dream yoga and to work with this on three different layers. And the layers I'm going to introduce today, which you may be familiar with, are the layers of life, the layer of light, and then the layer of love. So my intention is to give an introduction and to share a little bit about each of these layers and how you can apply that in the dream world and also in the waking world. So it's not limited to the dream world, but I find that working with cultivating love and compassion on these three layers is applicable in any state, really, in the dreaming or the waking state. So I'll begin speaking about the, the layer of life energy. So when we're speaking about life energy, we're talking about our inner life force. So the intention that is in our bodies that propels us forward into movement and action in the world. When we're speaking of life energy, it can be helpful to 
speak of the modalities through which we experience life energy. So the modalities of perception. So on our embodied level and our embodied experience, we are playing with the modalities of sensations and feelings. And when we speak of sensations, we're speaking of in the moment objective experiences in the body. So these are sensations like hot or cold, tight or loose, contracted or expanded, words such as these. <clears throat> when we're speaking of feelings, our feelings in our body are our subjective experience of what is happening in our body. So the sensations are the objective and the feelings are the subjective experience. So the reason I'm describing this to you is because when we have an imbalance in our life energy, we have an imbalance between our sensations and our feelings. So we're either overdoing one or we're overdoing the other. So if we're overdoing our sensations, we can get into like a, a sort of robotic way of being, way of operating. And if we're overdoing our feelings, we can get into a more, I wanna say vampiric, like a vampire-like energy sucking or energy um, leaking way of operating. So in order to be really congruent in our life energy to show up with the most aliveness, we need to be balanced in our sensations and in our feelings. And that gives us that experience of aliveness. And so the, the love part of the life energy is the union, the bonding between the sensations and the feelings, the coming together of those. So when we speak about this in terms of our, our dream practice, lucid dreaming and dream yoga, we can consider what are the experiences that we can pursue in the dream world that allow us to have the most embodied aliveness. And the experience I want to share about today is around working with sexuality and lovemaking in lucid dreaming and dream yoga. And this is the most prevalent experience, I would say that most lucid dreamers encounter is that's kind of the first impulse, that's the intent of the body, the procreative intent, right? So how we can work with this in lucid dreaming and dream yoga is we can be really mindful of our sexual experiences that we're engaging and our degree of presence to both our sensations and our feelings during these experiences. So when we're making love in a dream, are we feeling a graspiness? Are we feeling an ungrounded excitement? Are we feeling a, a neediness with that lovemaking? Or are we feeling a balanced aliveness that's allowing energy to flow through our bodies, through the bodies of our dream partner? Are we allowing the embodied aliveness to be manifest in that experience? We can apply this in our dreams. We can also apply this in our waking worlds. Are we present equally to our sensations and our feelings in lovemaking? And this is how we cultivate life energy. 
So let's take a, a moment again and do another three breath meditation, but this time just into our life center. So if you're a woman, you this could be your womb, the center of your womb or the energy of your womb. Um, if you're a man, this could be your lower dantian, so the area just below the navel. So we'll do once again, the three breath meditation together into the life energy center. Thank you. So I'd like to move on now to sharing about light energy and how we can work with light energy in the dream realm. So where life energy is about integrating the body, the light energy is about integrating the mind. So the modalities of the mind are our emotions and our thoughts. Now, when we're unintegrated, when we're imbalanced in our mind, we are polarized to one side or the other. We're either overdoing our thoughts or we're overdoing our emotions. And we can tell that we're in this experience when we're experiencing intensity in our relationships to others. When we're in a balanced experience in our minds, when we're showing up with both thoughts and emotions, both within ourselves and also holding space for that in others, we experience wisdom. So intensity is the obstacle to wisdom in these terms. If we're overdoing our thoughts, we, we all know people that are in this state at times we ourselves, many of us are in this state at times, there's like this overdoing of logic, uh, an overfocus on the hardness of science. Like this is what is so, this is truth based just on thoughts. If we're overdoing our emotions, we can be lost in sort of an unstructured softness where there's not a lot of congruency, not a lot of thought linking things together. So either way is an imbalance. Now, when we're in an imbalance in our thoughts and our emotions, we can be defensively polarized with each other. And often our relationships end up having a defensive polarization with one another. So one of us is more focused on the thought side, the other person in the relationship is more focused on the emotional side. And then we end up feeling separate from our partners or we feel separate from the relationships that we have in our lives. So this can also look like fighting. It can also look like fleeing. So these sort of nervous system responses that we can have when we're in polarity with each other, the fight response or the fleeing response. So the opportunity to work with this in the world of dream yoga and lucid dreaming 
is whenever we're presented with an experience of conflict in lucid dreaming or in dream yoga. So we're in a dream, a conflict has arisen. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to fight? Are we going to flee? Or are we going to show up and be present in the experience of that conflict? Be present with wisdom. Be present in both our heart and our mind, our emotions and our thoughts. So I have a, a dream that I wanna share about this, which will hopefully anchor it a little bit and um, deepen the understanding of this. Uh, so this was a dream that I had a couple of years ago. I was on a dark island with a man who was torturing me. And I became lucid in this process where I was being tortured. And I thought about waking myself up and then I decided that I wanted to actually stay with it and work with the dream and see if I could move through the conflict. So my initial instinct in the conflict was to try to leave. So I was like, okay, here I'm on this island. I'm gonna try to fly away. So I try to fly to the periphery of the island. And as soon as I get to like the edge of the island where it meets the water, um, I get dropped back into the dream scene right in front of the man. Because <laughs> I had set this intent that I wanted to work through this conflict. So the fleeing wasn't working. <laughs> so I get dropped back into the dream scene and I think, okay, what, can I, what else could I do? And so I think, okay, well, what if I meditate? So I try meditating. And as I meditate, my body starts kind of floating up above this man and I'm in a meditation for just a few moments and then I get dropped right back in front of him. And I realized that my version of meditating in this dream was actually kind of like a spiritual bypassing. Like, let me just float and meditate my way away from the situation rather than being fully present to it. So then the next strategy that I tried was I tried to fight. So I got out a knife and I tried killing this person that was in front of me. That didn't work either. <laughs> and then I moved on to a, uh, okay, what if I try to conceptually understand what's going on with this person? So I moved really into the thought side of things, right? The thinking side of the framework. And as I was thinking about what conceptually was going on with him, he just got more angry. So he became more polarized in his emotions in the dream experience. So it's really illustrating that polarity between the thought and the emotion within my own psyche, within my own mind. So then I stopped and I closed my eyes and I felt into his, his experience with my heart. And so I noticed that he was wearing a mask and that what was underneath, what he was showing up as was actually a really vulnerable um, and sensitive individual. And I was present to him with both my mind and my heart. And I felt this overwhelming sense of compassion, of loving compassion for this other person, this aspect of my mind, this projection of my mind. And as soon as I felt that, this overwhelming sense of compassion, the sun rose over the island, this rainbow appeared and a little song played and the man disappeared and the conflict ended. <laughs> It was a very profound, very, very beautiful experience. 
Yeah. So, so the invitation to you all is to be creative with that in your dreams. If you are in a dream and you come upon a conflict, how to be present to the conflict, be present in both your emotions and your thoughts, how to have compassion for the situation that's happening rather than being polarized to it through fighting or fleeing or being imbalanced in thoughts or in emotions. And you can apply this to your waking world as well, to your waking relationships. So let's again, take a three breath meditation with each other, this time breathing into the third eye, unification of the mind, integration of emotions and thoughts. So we'll begin together for three breaths into the third eye. Thank you. So we'll move on to the third level, the level of love. So whereas with life, we were speaking of the integration in the body. With light, we're speaking of the integration in the mind. With love energy, it's about the integration between the body and the mind. So we could say this is an integration between our feelings and our emotions, or we could just say body and mind, whichever is easier to, for you to grasp or to understand. So when we're imbalanced between our mind and our body, we experience anxiety. This is the indicator of the imbalance between mind and body. When we're balanced between our mind and our body, we experience awareness. There's a congruence between what's happening up here and what's happening down here. Awareness, unification. The imbalances can look like an imbalance towards the mind. So when we're imbalanced towards our mind, we can be lost in an idealized dream world that we've created with our minds. We can be lost in an ideal about someone else, about who they are, a projection. Whereas when we're imbalanced in our body, we're overdoing the body, we can be disconnected from our higher knowing. So we may be here grounded on earth, but we're not connected to the, the spirit that comes through us. So it's a good indicator for feeling anxiety that there's some imbalance going on between the body and the mind. And also that we're projecting. So we're projecting outward onto others about who they are, about how they should show up, or we're being projected upon by others about who we are, about how we should show up. And we're taking on those projections. So when we're working with the level of love, 
It's about moving from being lost in projections to being aware of who we are and who others are relative to us. One of the ways that we can work with this in dreams is through, it's actually one of the stages of dream yoga that Andrew speaks of. I think it's stage six or seven. It's about entering into the dream body of another character. So we're recreating the experience of someone else rather than projecting onto who they are, projecting onto their experience we are recreating their experience. We are recreating who they are. So I would like to share a dream where I worked with this and, and also invite you to be creative in working with this in your own dream world. So I had a dream, I was walking through a forest and it was a, a Rocky Mountain forest, a forest where I live. And I came upon a tiger and I thought, that's strange. There's no tigers in this forest <laughs> in the Rocky Mountains. I must be dreaming. So I thought, hmm, here's this tiger in front of me. The tiger was eating a lion. So it was really immersed in, in its kind of ravenous instinctual process. And I thought I might, I might try to enter into the body of the tiger to really feel what that feels like. So I put my mind, so this is the integration part, right? I'm integrating my mind, my awareness into the body of this tiger. So bringing mind and body together. So I put my consciousness into this tiger and I get to experience what it is like to be a tiger. I become totally instinctively driven. I am completely focused on the task that I'm doing. I'm completely focused on my eating. I am not having any thoughts about anything. I am not having any emotions about anything. I'm just in my instinctive embodied experience as this tiger. It's really enlightening for me to see what it was like to be an animal. And it actually really allowed me to have compassion for what it's like to be an animal, to have more um, understanding for animals, for how they act, for how they behave, for, for what they do. So then I left the body of the tiger and I ended up a little bit later in the dream coming upon a, a woman who was a very, I wanna call her an outer success woman. So she was really focused on her appearance, what she looked like, her success, what she was, how she was presenting in the world. And in my own life, I've had judgments uh, around these types of people who are really focused on outer success. So this is an area where I've had projections about people. So I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to go to enter into the body of this woman and to feel what it feels like to really to be her rather than projecting what I believe about her upon her. So I entered into the body of this woman, this outer success woman, and I immediately felt what it was like to be her, to have her experience. And I felt the level of self-judgment that she felt and concern about if she was being accepted by others. And that that was really what she wanted was to be accepted, to be loved. That's why she was presenting in the way that she was. That was the way that she knew how to be loved. 
So again, I had this overwhelming sense of compassion for her of like, wow, this is what it's like to be this woman. This isn't my projection about why she's doing this, why she's showing up in this way. This is what it is for her. That's recreation. And then a little bit later in the dream, I, I came upon Ken Wilbur, who's a teacher of mine. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm gonna enter into the dream body of Ken Wilbur. And so I entered into his body and I felt immediately this understanding of his mind, of the vastness of structures in his mind and how everything had this incredible organizational field, everything had its place. And I could really appreciate the wisdom of his teachings and how his mind operates to be able to offer the teachings that he does. And then I had the experience of floating up in Ken Wilbur's body into a deeply meditative state and experiencing some of what he had described uh, in some of the books that I've read of his experience of like um, meditative awareness, one taste, the, the unification of all. Yeah, I, had that, I had that experience as Ken Wilbur and it allowed me to really have more compassion for who he is and have more understanding of that in a non-idealized way. So not elevating him as something different or better, but really feeling what it's like to be him. So those are the, the, three, the three stages of recreation, the three elements of that. And I would also encourage, encourage you to play with that. What is, what is it like to recreate someone else in your waking life? What is it like to recreate someone else's experience in your dream life? Rather than projecting upon them what you think their experience is, actually let yourself become it. Let yourself be it. So one more time, let's take a three breath meditation together, this time into our hearts. Unifying our body with our mind and feeling awareness. And then the final piece, and we can't leave this out, is the integration of life, light, and love. So my experience of the integration of life, light, and love is something that we all have experienced, whether or not we're consciously aware of it. But this is when we are integrating the life, light, and love energies, this is the experience of the clear light mind. This is the experience of the groundless ground of reality, where we're not attached to anything, where we're not positioned, opposing anything, and where we're not projecting. 
we are resting in silence and stillness and spaciousness. In the nothingness of the clear light mind. So thank you. Thank you all so much for being here. I think we're at about 30 minutes and um, now I'd love to open it up and just hear if anyone has anything to share, any comments, any questions, whatever you feel inspired to offer in this space. I would welcome any of that. Thank you so much for that, Katie. It was, wow. I really loved how you laid all that out. I for one needed to hear that today. And I really took to heart so much of what you said. Ooh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was really beautiful to watch everyone who's on video to watch all your faces and feel like I'm right here with you and to see your responses and reactions. So thank you so much. Is it really an honor to be here in this space and have the opportunity to present? So um, feel free to type any comments in the chat uh, or raise your hand if you wanna come on and uh, say something to Katie or ask a question. Uh, in the meantime, Katie, uh, would you mind sharing how we can, uh, or how people can get in touch with you offline if you have any websites or, um, yeah, yeah, just gonna say that. Yeah, so um, my website is www.katie-love.com and I'll drop it into the chat as well. So that would be the best way of, of getting in touch with me. Thank you. So yeah. Tim wrote in the comment, he said, hi, Katie, Andy mentioned that you had many lucid dreams for a long time. Do you have any personal methods or suggestions that work for you to help us increase the frequency and length of our lucid dream? Yeah, so specifically the frequency and length. Yes, so um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of techniques that I work with, but I, I would say the, the most important thing for me is consistency. So continuing to commit to being lucid every day, every night. So I'm reiterating that intention almost every single night. I'm saying tonight I will become lucid in my dreams. Tonight I will do this with my lucidity. So that power of that intention. And, and when it comes to specific practices, I feel like it's so important to find a practice that you love doing. Like that doesn't feel like a chore in any way. It doesn't feel like, oh, I have to do my dream practices, but it feels like a joy. Like I get to do this practice tonight, like where you're looking forward to sleep. So actually for me, I, I notice, especially during the winter, <laughs> um, I actually look forward to, to my sleep and dream world more so than my waking day. And I, I do love my waking days as well, but it's like, it's like this, this enthusiasm to drop into the night, to drop into sleep. So the specific practice that I love to work with, um, I actually really like the Eastern practices. Um, uh, the most recent ones that Andrew taught in his retreat, I don't know how many of you were at his his lucid dreaming dream yoga retreat 
the most recent one that he did. Yeah, I know that I know you were, David. <laughs> um, yeah, but he does a series of exercises where you you turn your head left to right, you turn your head up and down, you do circles, you do shoulder rolls, and then a series of breath work practices, um, and then meditating right before bed. But it, it really, uh, honestly, like the specific practices to use, I would say you have to find what finds, what feels like the most joyous for you. What, what is joyous? What is, um, yeah, like what do you have the impulse to want to do? And so that would be frequency. And then with regards to length, extending the length in the dream. Yeah. So one of the things I've found with extending the length is to be really mindful of, um, am I grasping or averting in the dream? So if I'm coming into a place of grasping onto something, that's going to help. That's going to lead to me losing my lucidity. So I, I can give an example. I had a recent dream. It was a pellucid dream where I was just walking through my dream environment, just observing everything and speaking out loud what I was observing. So I wasn't trying to like engage the dream. I wasn't trying to change anything. I was just in a witnessing place. And I was speaking out loud and I was noticing how different elements of the scene had different levels of concentration, like different levels of concentration of thoughts is how I think of it. So in one area, it was pretty spacious. There's like a horse riding by with a man on it. And then I'd get to other areas of the scene and there would be more, more density, like more thoughts, right? Showing up as visual images in the dream. And in one particularly dense area, I, I experienced, I saw a woman that I knew and I got excited and I ran up to her and I kissed her because I knew her. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I grasped onto that thought in the form of a dream image, I lost my lucidity. So really working with grasping and aversion, both in our waking world and our meditation practice. So we're creating more spaciousness in our mind. And then when thoughts do arise, we're not grasping to them. And the more spaciousness we have in our minds, the, the less likely we will be to grasp onto things, right? So when thoughts are coming more and more quickly, it's like easier to just grasp and get lost in them. But if we're elongating the spaces between the thoughts, between the visual images, then we, we have more capacity for openness. We have more capacity for um, length, longer dreams, longer lucid dreams. Yeah, so something like that be my answer. That's really nice. Thank you for that. I'll read a few more chat comments and then we have some hands up. Uh, Danielle said, thank you. She had to run back to work. Kathy said, very nice. Pam said, what an honor to hear you. Um, Louisa wrote, lovely, thank you so much. Your dream experiences are fantastic. So rich, so great detail and meaningful. Thank you. Okay, so I'm gonna bring in Dennis uh, with the audio and then Patricia. Okay, here we go. Did you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Um, I have a question. Um, I was, um, past couple of weeks in my yoga practice, uh, we've been working on the doshas. Um, last night, the instructor um, was saying that people who practice vinyasa 
don't really uh, try to just muscle through and just ignore some of the poses. Um, so we were practicing, um, we dedicated our practice to Vata and we were holding the poses for quite a bit. Um, the practice was sort of exhausting, especially uh, poses like pigeon. Um, what happened was after the practice, two hours later, I experienced something that I never experienced before. Um, I started reliving, and it's the only word I could um, say, but reliving old hurts. And they just came back like a tableau. Mm. And I couldn't stop it. It was just one after another. Um, I had a sleepless night, which um, was kind of unusual for me. And um, today I'm just mellowing out, but I unfollowed a lot of people on my Facebook who were, I just didn't want to exchange in any type of dialogue anymore. Um, I just wanted to be. So I was just wondering, is that, uh, to do a practice like that, is that usual or unusual or never experienced anything like that? Yeah, so let me ask you a question. Have you, have you done yoga practices much in your life in that way? Or is this um, more new? I primarily practice vinyasa and power. Mm -hmm. uh, vinyasa, you don't get to hold the pauses for a long time. It's mostly going through the motions, you know, chaturanga, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what it sounds like to me, Dennis, is um, you had some emotions that were actually stored in your body. And specifically, you said you were doing a lot of pigeon pose. And mm. I know that there's a lot of emotions get stored in the hips of the body. So it sounds like you were really deepening into release in the hips and you were releasing some emotions that had stored there and they had stored in the physicality. So by loosening up the physicality, you loosened up the emotional experience, and then you had to process that in your own mind and body. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I would say like your response where you felt like you started unfriending some people on Facebook and um, you really just wanted to be, was your way of creating inner space for yourself in order to process the emotions in their right timing. Um, so could I ask this, is there a right way to re-engage then? Because um, I plan on practicing tonight, so. To re-engage with, with the people? Well, you, you know, to just re-engage with myself because it was like a, it was yeah. a very intense experience. I never, like I said, I never experienced anything like that before. Yeah. Yeah, so my, my thought would be to be present to what emotions showed up for you. And when, it, when we're working with emotions, we're looking not only at the emotions, but also the thoughts. So, so thoughts are like our objective experience of our mind and our emotions are the energy organizing our thoughts through time, right? So you're, what you'll want to do is look, okay, in that experience, what were the most prevalent thoughts and or emotions that arose for you? And to be super present with those. So not try to avoid them 
or repress them, but to be really, really present with them without getting enmeshed in them, but to just have like a kind of a witnessing of them. So um, a good, you know, have you heard of uh, Byron Katie? Uh, no, sir. So Byron Katie has a really good process for working with, with this. Um, it's called The Work and it's free online. You might explore that, look into that. But I think what's being called for is for you to be present with what's showing up. Okay. Alrighty, I'll so see what, what comes up uh, again. <laughs> Thanks okay. again. Okay, thank you, Dennis. Thanks. Thanks, Dennis. Okay, next I'll bring in Patricia and then David. Hello, Katie and everyone, how are you? Hello, Patricia. I'm, very I'm not gonna use my video, is that okay? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I've been journaling my dreams for about five years, but just recently, I would say in the last year, have I gotten really serious about lucid dreaming. And um, what I find um, in all my dreams and looking back, Katie, is that I'm very passive. And so there's this theme of sort of being passive and witness to the dream, but never being active in the dream. Um, it's like I'm watching other people. When I record my dreams, there's always that common theme of I'm watching other people and other things are happening and I'm outside of it. And I'm wondering, I would like to use my lucid dreaming to be more participatory. Is that just the nature of the practice? Is it to become more participatory? Is that the reason for that why we want to do more lucid dreaming? What's your feeling on this? Yeah, thank you for that. And I'm gonna unmute. I'm mute, I mean. Okay, okay. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, so I wouldn't say generally that that's the nature of it. I think it really depends on the individual. Um, it does sound like in your case, that's what's being called for. That's what you're inviting yourself into is to maybe be more participatory. Would that, does that sound true to you, Patricia, that you're kind of wanting that more engagement? I'm asking you to unmute. Oh, oh, thank you. Yes. Um, do I want more engagement? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm starting, yeah, I would. Absolutely. I want to be part of the dream. I want to be in the dream. I want to be the subject of the dream. Instead, often other things are subject of the dream. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a, certainly a reflection of my life, absolutely, and my engagement in my outer life. So I want to use the lucid dreaming, yeah, to be more participatory. Yes, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I was going to ask about that if it felt like it was a reflection of your life. So yeah, it feels like the invitation is to, um, it's almost like being a little bit more, a little bit tighter. So when we speak of like not too loose, not too tight, it feels like you're just being a little bit loose with your lucidity. So you're, you might be lucid, but you're not really engaging and, and tightening. So it's kind of the, we were speaking earlier about the grasping. It feels a little bit more like the aversion in your case. Does that resonate with you, Patricia? I'm new, to, I'm new to the grammar. So um, I, 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 I'll have to sit with that. I don't know. I, uh -huh. Go ahead. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my sense with you, I would, I would have to ask more questions to know for sure, but my sense with you is, is actually being more in your body would support that. 
So do you, do you have practices where you can get into your body? Do you work with that at all? I'm a somatic practitioner, so that's not the issue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. So, okay. So if it's not getting into your body, then it sounds like it's something where it's like a, there's like a detachment from the mental experience of it in the dream. Like you're a little somewhat detached. Yeah, there's a detachment. It's fit. So I'm just, I don't know if I want to analyze it so much as, as right. if you can, if you can maybe speak to this idea of participatory or non-participatory and is that a theme and what is lucidity for me, the lucidity would be to practice the engagement in my dream more. And what are the tools for that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I would say, so you're, you are lucid in your dreams, is that correct? I don't have many lucid dreams. The la I think I'd, out of every 10 dreams, I'll have one lucid dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say start with creating that strong intention before you go to sleep every night. So every night you're declaring, I want to be more participatory and engaged in my dreams. I want to be right on. I want to be participatory and engaged. And then in the dream itself, start engaging with the dream characters. So you could, you could say, okay, I wanna engage in this particular way, either with the dream characters, with the dream environment. Um, those are probably be the two first easiest ways to start with. And, and think of like, what kind of questions might you wanna ask them? What kind of conversations might you wanna have? Things like this. Right, excellent, Katie, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank and you. thanks for yeah. uh, thank you for presenting. I Absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, I'll bring on David and then Myra. Um, thank you. Hi, hey. hi. <laughs> um, it, it's it's wonderful to hear someone who can um, talk public, including on the dreams uh, about sexuality. Um, oh, it's so kind of unusual. We kind of skirt over it so often in so many different subjects around our world, and yet it's so core to the nature of life on, on the planet and us. But that's not my fundamental question. I think I have two, and one is um, that you said that in the in the in the, the brief about this thing that we're going to be talking about. Uh, dream yoga in addition to dream, lucid dreaming and my understanding of dream yoga is we're, we're actually doing um, yogic practices in the dreams um, and um, you know I guess the first half of the question would be how you can um, what we'd have to say about that my 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 best lucid dream was I I, I did a yogic practice a, a funeral ceremony for a dear friend and felt that it really was very good for him. Um, and the um, and the other is, I have um, my son and his partner both recently told me that they're afraid of doing lucid dreaming because they feel like when they're trying it, it just makes their constant nightmares worse. And I didn't know that they had such, um, almost every dream being a nightmare as they were saying. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm at the other end. I used to have nightmares, but uh, through um, 
lucid dreaming before it was a term that I knew about. I, I dealt with it to the point that my my dreams are pretty happy for the most part. Um, so uh, almost the most more pressing would be how to deal with helping other people who are afraid of lucid dreaming or just don't have techniques to calm the uh, constant nightmares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll speak to that one first. So they are you saying that they're having nightmares? They become lucid, and that makes it worse. They're they're afraid of lucid dreaming because the they've focused on trying to work that it seems to make it worse. So they didn't say that they're really lucid. Although my son, yeah, I think his are lucid because I described lucid dreaming to him oh thirty years ago or so, and. Uh, he just said, you know, oh, dad says you can do it. Sure, you can. <laughs> he's, been, he's been better at it than me ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so there's one technique that's coming to mind to work with that. Um, so if they're having a lot of nightmares, one of the things they can do is write out the nightmare that they have. So when they wake up, write out the nightmare, but change the ending. So they're going to change it to where it goes in a positive direction and or they can change it to where they actually become lucid in it and change it themselves. So this is like the retrospective memory technique. Um, You can also just do it mentally, but I think in their case, because it sounds like they're having a lot of nightmares that writing it would be really powerful. Um, if If they do wake up in the middle of the night having had a nightmare, they can go back into it start to remember it, but then change the course of it or become lucid in the course of it in their memory. So they're kind of like retrospectively applying memory to the dream. Does that make right. sense? Go back in hypnopopic and- Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and I would say for when they're, if, if they're having nightmares, but not lucid, I think you said one of them is having nightmares, but not lucid and is afraid of lucidity. Um, to, to, to try it. Like, what would it be like? It it sounds like it's a fear that's not really founded in a practice of, of experiencing that. So just to kind of challenge and question that belief of, is that really true that being lucid would make it scarier? Yeah. I think a lot of their nightmares come out of a very intense, real understanding of the the ecological and social state of our world. Yeah. it's deep into collapse and there's almost, there's very little realistic hope of of it changing, although they're trying hard to help change it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's truth, there's wisdom in the nightmares, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So that that might be helpful too, just a recognition of the wisdom that's coming from those dreams and the appropriate action to take for them that's unique to them that could support whatever the world is that they would like to see, right? So there's action happening and it's not just cycling in the mind. They are both acting a lot. Great, great, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I would try the retrospective writing technique. Um, And then on the first point that you were speaking to, the dream yoga. So uh, Andrew and Andrew Holacek and Tenzin Wingyal Rinpoche are my primary teachers of dream yoga. And um, yes, yoga practices is a part of it, but it's also working with uh, self-transcendence through the dream practices. So um, any practices that support that 
which like some of the dreams that I described today are supportive to that self-transcendence. They might not be like fully at the place of being in a, uh, and I'm not sure how exactly how you're defining the yogic practices, but being in like a fully meditative state, which is also there and also true. But the stages that can lead up to it are just like, okay, how can I be more conscious with my mind and intentional about what I'm doing in the dream world as a way to transcend my perception of self or of who I am? Okay, so I, would, I would think of that as just regular lucid dreaming and dream mm -hmm. yoga is doing specific yogic practices. Um, different, yeah. Different sadhana practices and things of that sort. I think that's what Andrew was even describing in his book and that's what I've seen in other texts. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm referring to like his nine stages of dream yoga in, in his first dream yoga book. Um, yeah that there's, there's sort of leading up to stages. And yeah. that's, that's what I was working to. And I think it's just like a distinction of how, how we're defining it. Um, so, okay. yeah. And I also love that you are putting yourself into, into the body of the tiger. Mm -hmm. I think most people in our world, it's, it's way too people oriented. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think we'll ever really um, get much closer to, to solving and making progress and, and, and being with our world and the, unless we start putting uh, equal attention to all the other species, at least as we do to, to other people. Because uh, otherwise, how can we start to really learn uh, to experience what the world wants us to do in terms of the way it's set up if, if it's just people? Because we just got little blinders on all the time. So, but it's, it's a great step. To, and I, I do that a lot. I see a bird fly over and, and what's it like feeling the wind under your wings? You know, there's a, a chipmunk chittering away. What are they thinking? You know, um, <laughs> there's a groundhog. What are they doing? Uh, and, you know, I'm putting myself into there. I know, but it really helps. And most people have no idea. <laughs> and, and thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. David. All right, next I'll bring in Myra and then John. Hi, Katie. Thank you. It was very refreshing. It's a fresh view and, and, and very touching. Your, your voice, your voice, um, it's almost like you breathe and really um, it transmitted really well. Um, so thank you for my part. I just, uh, as a yoga teacher, I wanted to address the vinyasa or holding the poses uh, because those are just styles. And I wanted to uh, invite them that they both have a purpose. Not one is better than the other. Just remember that the original purpose of yoga was to make the body flexible to be able to sit for meditation. Uh, so that was the real reason of doing yoga. And so you were working with the inner wings or the natties and all that. So in either one of those poses, if you are a vinyasa person and you get yourself lost in the space of the movement, it would be a completely beautiful somatic experience too. So his experience yesterday probably was just ripened by many causes and conditions, not only by just holding the poses. Um, and not to fear the next one, because each one that you go to your mat to do yoga, it would be a completely different expression of, of the energy that needs to express itself. 
Um, so those are my two cents there because I hear that a lot. Um, there we become dogmatic with what's yoga, what holding how long and what do we have to do and just see it like a dance and it would be a lot of fun. Um, and then regarding the witnesses of the dream, I just wanted to call your attention. I don't remember what, but Andrew uh, talks a lot about uh, witnessing dreams as being one of the stages of also lucidity by itself. They are very precious and, and they're very powering. So I don't remember the name, but Andrew talks in his book about witnessing dreams. Um, and, and I would call if she's interested in, in as a stage of understanding when you're witnessing and not participating uh, actively by itself. Those are very revealing dreams themselves. And thank you again. Thank you so much, Mara. Thanks, Mara. Okay, I'll bring in John. Hi, Katie. Thank you. Um, so earlier you were talking about um, um, being stuck and trying to wake up in a dream, wanting to wake up. And uh, it's funny because just last night I had one of those and um, it was really intense and I had just fallen asleep. Um, and what was different, I thought, was that I was actually able to wake up. And I felt successful at doing that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think usually it must happen early in the morning. And this was like, you know, earlier in the night. And I actually got up and uh, was somewhat relieved uh, to not be sleeping and, and did some stuff. And then I went back to sleep again. So um, it just seems counterintuitive to, I think your suggestion was to like, um lean into it more or less right that's mm -hmm. the terminology today um and it just seems counterintuitive to do that because you're trying to wake up it, you know what i mean if if you have any other suggestions or uh, comments yeah i think it's really personal so i i had a personal intent of wanting to work with conflict in dreams um, and so to wake up would have been going against that intent. So I was kind of saying yes to going with whatever showed up, right? right. But I would okay. say, yeah, I would say in your case, follow your intuition, because sometimes it will be the most beneficial thing to wake up. But if there's something that you're intending to do in the dream world that you're presented with the opportunity to work with, what a beautiful chance. What a beautiful okay. opportunity. Yep. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You know, you usually, um, I have trouble lucid dreaming. You know, actually, I don't, I'm hardly ever successful at that. And uh, lately, I've been having a lot of trouble just dreaming, period, or remembering the dream, even. So, yeah. you know, it just felt good to be able to wake up. <laughs> totally. As yeah. crazy as it is. Yeah, and, and to have that like authority over your dreaming and waking yeah. to, to choose that and to make it happen when you want it to. So you actually accomplished your intent in that particular scenario. You wanted to wake up, you did. That's, that's intuitive, that's great. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, John. Um, I have a quick question before we wrap it up. Um, wondering if you have any 
or if you would share with us your own personal intentions or goals for your own dream practice, if you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, sure. Um, so they're, they change a lot. There's, um, yeah, I consider each night before I go to sleep what my intentions are and kind of feel into the moment. But I could share like, like last night, actually, I knew I was giving this talk today. Um, it's my first talk on lucid dreaming and dream yoga. And so I, I asked for a night of restful sleep and for my dreams to support the integration of the information that I wanted to present and share. So I, um, you know, a lot of times before I'm uh, offering a workshop or presenting, I, um, will actually like do the whole workshop in my dreams before I, before I wake up the next day. So I, that was kind of what my intention setting was, but uh, that didn't happen last night, but often it will, especially if it's something that I've been preparing for, for a long, for a longer amount of time. Um, I'll like kind of go through the whole thing in the dream and then I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, already, I already did it last night. Or a lot of times what'll happen is it'll, um, I'll have, conflicts play out or like potential challenges arise so that I address those challenges in the dream world and then I wake up and I don't feel nervous about the challenges that I might have been nervous about um but yeah I would I would say if I were to say like an overarching intention my overarching intention for life is to be fully aware in every moment waking dreaming sleeping um I'm a far I'm a long ways from that though <laughs> Uh, yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, Katie, thank you so much. This was truly special. Uh, you're such a gem to this community. So we're so grateful to have you present today. Um, yeah, come back and present again sometime in the future, please. It'll be great. Who would have known this was your first presentation? You're so, so good. So thank you so much. Um, I'll leave the chat open just so if you want to read through it. Um, I saw David posted another comment there. So um, yeah, greatly appreciate you. Deep out of gratitude. Thank you so much. And um, thanks everyone for being here. It's really great. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Such an honor and a pleasure.